Hi, everyone. You are now listening to BCC Sermons. Thanks for tuning in. Good to be with you this morning. There, God is in this place. God is with Bettendorf Christian Church wherever we go. Uh, Pastor Barry, Pastor Derek, uh, Teresa Brown, Mike Walker, part of our missions team there in India right now. They're working their way back home. I cannot wait to hear some of the stories. Uh, they went to encourage some of our global partners. Uh, God is with them right now, and God is with our global partners. So it's, it's going to be um, really exciting uh, pastor Barry, as he transitioned to worship, or um, I'm sorry, uh, missions pastor, uh, there's just a new, new energy there. So I cannot wait to see what happens with uh, us being able to support uh, both our global and local partners. Um, it's, it's so exciting to have EJ uh, here as our worship pastor. Um, there's, just, there's just an energy, uh, and, and God is definitely behind BCC. Uh, Tom, as our, as our student pastor, uh, you weren't here for first service, but uh, every first service after the music worship, right before I come out, uh, 30 to 35 junior high students get up and walk out. And that's not because they saw me coming. Um, that's because uh, Pastor Tom does like kind of a table talk called Connect uh, with them. And they're filling the youth room uh, and they're talking about scripture and they're, it, it's just really cool to see. Man, am I glad uh, Tom is here because it was... It was a burden carrying uh, being the only male staff person uh, here with a full head of hair. But now he's with me, um, so he and I can, you know, support one another. Don't tell Derek. Um, So I moved here three years ago, and man, God put uh, my family in the right house, in the right neighborhood. Uh, Our house is laid out for hosting, which we really enjoy doing. Owen has plenty of kids to play with in our cul-de-sac. Uh, it feels like we're like living in the 80s. It's really fun. They can just go out and play, and we don't have to really worry about anything. Um, the neighbors, we all just get along. Um, the only downside you know, to our big yard, there's not really much shade because previous owners uh, never planted a tree. Well, they did, they did plant one tree. It was a Buckeye tree. They were Ohio State fans, so obviously I had to cut that out. Uh, it was only like four feet tall anyway, and I don't want to pick up Buckeyes before I mow. Uh, anyway, so I needed, I wanted shade, uh, and I know I can't just snap my fingers and have shade trees, but I went ahead and planted a couple of maples and a willow. And uh, the second year that they were in the ground, uh, they, they weren't really looking great. Uh, the leaves were, were not full. Um, they were turning a little early. Uh, bugs were getting at them. So... Uh, did some research and decided I needed to give them a little fertilizer uh, early spring. And I did that, and man, what a world of difference. Uh, they look good, and I'm one step closer to having shade in 10 years uh, in my yard. So, so they're looking good. You know, when plants receive that, the right nutrients, they're healthy, and they grow. Uh, they can withstand harshness of the seasons uh, when they're healthy, and healthy plants grow. And we're beginning a new series in two weeks called Multiply. Uh, And today, my job is to set up that series in two weeks. Of course, we have our block party next week. But the week of the 18th, Pastor Derek will be back, and he'll uh, kick us off in this Multiply series. But I'm here today to 
uh, take us through and talk about what a church looks like when it's healthy, a vision of a healthy church. And so during the week uh, one of this series, the week of the 18th, we're going to have some of our small groups uh, going through this study as well. So if you want to dive deeper, I can help you find a small group uh, that's doing that study. Uh, it's not too late to join. Or if you are someone who like, really enjoyed the Philippians uh, study that we did with Pastor Derek a few weeks ago, uh, we will have uh, some materials for you if you want to have a discussion group uh, for 10 weeks uh, during the series that you want to do that with your friends, I can supply you with that. So we have a QR code. Um, you can scan that QR code that's going to be up on the, uh, that is up on the screen if I get out of the way, um, uh, that's up on the screen that you can um, tell me if you're interested in finding a group that's doing the Multiply series uh, starting two weeks or getting some materials to do that uh, with some friends. And we're also going to bring back our sermon study guides. Uh, I know some of you have missed those uh, through the last month. We're going to have the sermon study guides, and we've uh, given them a fresh look. Uh, if you've used those before, when Pastor Derek gave us that daily challenge uh, to read through Philippians, he used five questions from uh, one of his mentors, uh, Dr. Bob Utley. And we're going to use those five questions in this Multiply series uh, so we can have deeper study as a church together. So we want to engage in the Word together. So you can uh, be looking forward to the study guides. Okay, so for anything to be healthy, it has to receive the appropriate nutrients. What is the main or most important nutrient for a healthy church? Jesus was asked that question in a slightly different manner. But Mark 12, 28 through 30 um, has this conversation. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy 6 here, and so that's where we're going to spend most of our morning. Uh, so if you would, please turn with me to Deuteronomy 6, and we're going to see exactly where Jesus quotes from, and we're going to wait, work our way through the, that entire chapter. So Deuteronomy 6, and while you uh, find Deuteronomy 6 in your device or on your, uh, in your Bible, uh, I just want to kind of give you a little background. So Deuteronomy, the word literally means second law. Uh, it's essentially a collection of speeches given by Moses to the second generation of the Israelites because when God rescued the Israelites from the Egyptian slavery, they didn't enter the promised land immediately as they were directed. So God punished them by having them wander in the desert for 40 years. Well, what this essentially did was the adults uh, at that time, everybody over 20, they died off. And so it was this younger generation uh, that's going to walk into the promised land so Deuteronomy, second law, is Moses uh, sort of first summarizing where they've been so far, uh, and then uh, it begins to he begins to tell them to be better with the previous generation, uh, better than the previous generation, and that's where we are in chapter 6, and the rest of the book is essentially reiterating the Ten Commandments and giving more detailed guidelines for living to that second generation. So let's dig into chapter 6, verse 1. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land in which you are going over to possess it, 
that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Now again, Moses is talking to the Israelites as they prepare to enter the promised land. And Moses so desperately wants this nation to go into the promised land with the utmost devotion and love and obedience towards God. He wants only good for this nation of God, so he then leads into the most uh, key commandment, which is where Jesus quotes from. Verse four, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of the house and on your gates. Verses four and five are probably two of the most uh, well-known passages, definitely of Deuteronomy, but maybe even of the Old Testament. And there's a reason, because that, that passage, those two verses, verses four and five, is called the Shema, and it's a daily prayer uh, for Jews. And the sh word Shema literally means listen or hear. It's the first word in verse four, whichever uh, translation you have, either listen or hear. And in English, it kind of loses its meaning a little bit because listen or hear does not simply mean to let the sound waves enter your ears. Instead, the word Shema means to allow the words to sink in, provide understanding, and generate a response. In other words, in Hebrew, the word we translate as listen or hear is essentially the combination of hearing and doing because God's word requires a response. There has to be a response from us when we read or hear God's word. If we aren't responding, we're simply taking in knowledge as if we were reading just an old book for the sake of learning information. God's word requires a response. How was Israel directed to respond to hearing that the Lord alone is their God? Well, verse 5 gives us that proper response, to love the Lord your God. Because God who is who he is, love him. And in this context, love isn't simply the warm, fuzzy, emotional energy we feel when we like someone. In the Bible, love is action. You love someone when you're obedient and loyal and faithful to them. And for Israel, to love meant faithful obedience to the terms of their covenant relationship and those terms are the laws and commands that will make up most of the book of Deuteronomy, uh, chapters 12 through 26. Obedience to these laws was never about legalism or trying to earn God's favor. It was about being faithful and about showing their love. At least originally it was, it was about that. It wasn't about legalism. There, there were some, some who took the laws uh, way too far and out of context or maybe a little too literal. Um, 
uh, in Matthew 23, Jesus actually talks about some of the Pharisees that have done this over generations. Uh, he says, they do their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. Um, a phylactery uh, is a leather strap around your forehead with a leather box, and it was right uh, in between your eyes, and you'd write little tiny uh, scriptures on little tiny pieces of paper and roll it up and, and put in that phylactery. Why? Because Deuteronomy says, keep these scriptures close to your, to your mind, strap them to your foreheads. And they had one on your, your arm as well. Um, that's not exactly what God wanted us to do. Um, although we do sim similar things, um, cross necklaces, we did the WWJD bracelet, uh, and those aren't bad things. Those aren't bad things, but um, uh, Jesus says that some of them were broadening their phylacteries so large to say, look how many scriptures I have close to my mind. Look how many scriptures I can hold. I think we should bring the phylactery thing back. Um, you know how the fashion like repeats itself? Right now we're in the 90s. Maybe you know, next season we could do something like this. We've done the whole bracelet thing. I think the phylactery should come back. Um, if one of you walks in next week with a phylactery, I want to be like, yes. Um, no, don't do it next week because we're, we're serving our neighbors next week. Do it the week after when Derek gets back and Derek's going to be like, what? Okay, so the, the point of verse 8 here is telling us to, to you know, bind these words to our foreheads and, and hands uh, we're to remember God's word and, and use them as a filter or a guide for everything we do, represented by our hands, and everything we think and see, represented by this section right here. That's the point. When I read verse 9, uh, I think, man, you know, writing scripture on doorposts and gates, whoo, Hobby Lobby has made a fortune because of this verse. How many of you have, you know, scripture written on a piece of wood that you bought at Hobby Lobby? I mean, that's, that's fine. That's fine. But that's not, don't make that your broadened phylactery. Does that make sense? It's fine. It, it serves as a reminder. And that's exactly what God is telling us to do. Hey, keep this scriptures on your mind. Filter everything that you do and see and think through scriptures. You can even... You know, have a, a poster on your wall as you go in and out of your doors. Remember my words. Act them out. Shema. Listen and respond. Love God with everything you have. Love God by being his. In Romans 12, the first two verses of that chapter, Paul has something uh, that I think is very much related to Moses' speech in De Deuteronomy 6. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but to be, trans be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Because of everything God has done for you, the mercies that he's given, love him with everything you have and everything you are. The closer you get to God, the more you will be transformed. The more you engage with God through his word, your mind will be renewed. He will give you wisdom and discern, uh, discernment to know how to continue in your loving actions. Your response to his word is, action, is worship. 
It's active worship. God's word requires a response, and that response is love. Obey out of your love for God, not for the sake of legalism. Now, in the New Testament, we have a new covenant that God has made with the church through Jesus. And we have commands, too. We're commanded to love our neighbors. We're commanded to pray for our enemies, love one another, gather together with each other, encourage one another, share each other's burdens, take care of the poor and needy, disciple one another. And these commands, when obeyed, are acts of love towards God. And as Paul explains in Romans 12, our acts of obedience because of our love for God is our worship to him. Worship doesn't end when the band leaves. The church acting as the church, that is worship to God with everything that we have. Do you see how healthy the church could be if we took a proper dose of the key nutrients, knowing God and loving God? And just like a tree is going to flourish when it takes in proper nutrients, so will the church flourish when each one of us recognizes God for who he is and we respond appropriately. And because we recognize the goodness of God and his directions for living, we, sh- uh, we should want to share it with others. And so I want to reread verses 6 and 7 uh, that, we've, that we've already gone through, but I want to specifically take a look at uh, verses 6 and 7. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Parents with children, teach them how to love God. As you go through your day, talk about God's will and direction and rules for proper living. Normalize spiritual talk among your households. And sometimes this can uh, be awkward or it doesn't feel natural to talk about God in every situation. And I think that's because we aren't as close to him as we could be. And if that describes you, don't get discouraged. Realize it and work towards changing it little by little and he will renew your mind. Love God with everything you have and bring up your kids to experience what God's love really is. Show them what that's like. Don't just teach them a bunch of rules. And those of you who don't have kids in your homes, the church looks to you to be spiritual parents. The Lord is one. He alone is God. Love him. Live this and show those around you, especially the next generation, how to do this and why to do this. Why is this so important? First of all, because Jesus literally said so when asked in the New Testament time, what's the most important commandment? He literally said this is the most important. And because this is the mission given to the church. Jesus started it, he trained up 12, and he said go. And they've multiplied and multiplied until here we are today. We are the church and we have this mission. And because when we experience this love, the love that only can come from God, it generates gratitude, humility, and commitment to honor and love in return. Love gives birth to more love, which results in faithfulness and obedience. And this is what makes a healthy church. A healthy church loves God and his mission. And that's our BCC big idea for this week. A healthy church loves God and his mission. They love God with all our heart, our soul, and might, therefore lovingly carrying out the mission of making disciples of the next generation. 
Verse 10. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all things good that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of, Israel, out of, the house of slavery, it is the Lord your God, and you shall fear him. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test, as you tested him in Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes, which he has commanded you. You shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it, it may go well with you, and that you may go, and, and go in and take possession of the good land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers by, trust, by thrusting out your enemies before you, as the Lord has promised. God is warning the Israelites not to forget that the promised land was a gracious gift to them, a gift they did not earn. When life suddenly seems so easy, especially compared to wandering in the hot desert, don't forget who gifted you this life. The best things in life don't come from our hard work. They are gifted to us by God. All goodness in this life originates with God. And I'm reminded of Jesus' words in the Gospel of John. He said, I came to you so that you would have life and have it to the full. And that life, of course, to the full is speaking of eternal life with him, but life with Jesus starts the moment you accept him as your Lord and Savior. And we can experience the goodness of God in this life too. We can have a piece of that promised land right here and now, and our immediate response is what? To love God with all our hearts, soul, and might. And by doing so, we carry out his mission to spread his love, to bring up the next generation, to know and to love God so that one day, when Christ returns, the gates of heaven will welcome a multitude. And we get a little hint of what that multitude is going to be like. John has a vision from God in Revelation 19, 6 through 9. John said, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of many, uh, mighty peals of thunder. Let me stop there for a second. Have you ever been in a stadium or with just tens of thousands of people? Went to uh, a Michigan football game. It's the largest stadium I've ever been in, the big house, and it holds over 100,000 people. And I was with 100,000 people all chanting, you know, for Michigan, and it, that, that powerful sound that comes from that many voices rising up in unity, it's almost eerie, but it's so powerful and so cool. Okay, multiply that, all right? Now let's go back to John's vision of the multitude crying out, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, 
Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. The church, one day, will live in God's presence forever. And there will be no pain, no suffering, no tears. And the multitude will cry out his name. But first, we live in this life. The life of preparation where we live out his mission. But don't forget that God has blessed us with grace and mercy even in this life. He's including us in his plan and we get to rejoice in that. Let's continue in our text, verse 20. When your, God, when your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of t- these testimonies and statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our very eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always, for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are today. And it will be righteous, righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Bring up the next generation. Just as the words say in verses six through nine, Moses reminded them to keep their history alive. Not for history's sake, but the history of what God has done for their people. This history gives purpose behind all the statutes and rules that God has given. And there's real life connection Uh, a, a tangible reason to follow God's rules, and in particular, the most foundational rule, to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And when the next generation asks, why do we have to do these things? Why do we have to go to church? It's Sunday. I want a day off. Why do I have to have small group every week? I don't want to read my Bible tonight. Can I just watch TV instead? I don't want to be nice to that person. They're not nice to me. The proper response is this. We were once slaves to our own sin. We were condemned to an eternal separation from God. But God didn't want that to happen, so he sent Jesus to suffer and to die in our place. He then conquered death, raising himself out of the grave so that one day when we pass from on from this life to the next, we can be fully reunited with God in a perfect paradise so we will obey God's commands of love so that his mission is carried out. We announce our faith in God by following his commands and he counts us as righteous for our active faith. One day, we will have the greatest celebration of all time and the multitude will rejoice and and praise his name. That's why we gather as a church. That's why we spend time with God through reading scripture. That's why we love those who seem to be unlovable. This is the very definition of the church. A few weeks ago, I believe it was Pastor Derek who was preaching on sharing our story. And several of you took that to heart and you shared your story. Uh, Many of you shared on Facebook because sometimes it's just easier to write, write things like that out and share it. 
And I heard and saw some people say, I always thought I had kind of a boring story, you know, grew up in the church or, or whatever that might be. But man, the response that I saw, those stories are not boring. And there's so, there's so much encouragement and so much joy. That's an example of the older generations, whether you're physically older or spiritually older, that's an example of showing why we love God. What has God done for you? That's a part of our story and we need to share that. Several years ago, I was in between ministries. I wasn't serving as a a full-time pastor. I was in a secular job and to be honest with you, I hated my job. I served in it for three years and I had a a 25-minute commute that should have been 10 minutes. Traffic there and back, some of you can relate. And I remember uh, I was very much hurt by the church uh, in one of my ministries, and I wanted to give up on the church. And that kind of spiraled into me wanting to give up on God. God hadn't done anything wrong. People did something wrong, just like me. But I remember uh, one drive to uh, my work, and I was just feeling hopeless. I just, I wanted to give up uh, on God and just walk away uh, from everything. There was too much hurt involved. But I remember the exact moment. You know how when you have a conversation with God and it, it probably only takes a millisecond, but you feel like it was like an hour-long conversation. It was one of those moments where God kind of showed me what life would be like without hope. And I remember that moment, and that was the defining milestone moment that got me back healthier, loving God again, and loving others again. And that actually put me on a trajectory to become become the discipleship pastor here. So good for you. Um, So, and here I am. Um, Our stories matter. We have to show the next generation, not just that Christianity is about following a bunch of rules. Forget about phylacteries, forget about Hobby Lobby. If you like Hobby Lobby, it's fine. You can have it in, on, on, your, on your walls, but don't make that your religion. Being in love with God, engaging with him in his word requires a response. Take in the nutrients that we so desperately need to become that healthy church. Before the New Testament church was even thought of, God was giving his children the meaning of life, the secret to success, himself. God is love and when his children love him, they are healthy, we are healthy. Today we are hundreds of generations removed from the Israelites of that time and yet this truth, the Shema, listen and obey, is still true today. We, the church, the body of Christ, are healthiest when we love God above all else. We are healthiest when we are telling our sons and daughters not only what to believe, but why to believe it and giving examples of what God has done. Keep the history alive. We were once slaves, but we are free. What does that mean to you? A healthy church loves God and his mission. Father, we thank you 
for these words that you gave to Moses many, many years ago. We thank you that they've been preserved. We thank you that Jesus mentioned these words so that we could see the, the, the historical path of your interaction with, with your creation. And we can see the most important nutrient is love, and love comes only from you. Father, help us to respond appropriately to this love. Help us to draw close to you so that we leave this room, leave, leave this gathering today in our active faith, our obedience to your rules and your guidelines for this life. Carry us throughout our week and we carry out your mission that you've given. We want to be that healthy church. Continue to bring us together, unite us through your spirit so that we can carry out your mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for tuning in online. Our in-person service times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. To learn more about BCC, visit us at bettendorfcc.com. Have a great day.